Luke 9.23 and then Matthew 5.16. Okay, so I read. Then he said to them all, If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. And from Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. 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 Um, we'll be hearing from our own uh, campus pastor on the sermon, The Profile of a Disciple. The Profile of a Disciple. I want to thank the senior pastor, Reverend Dr. Fred Debe, for the opportunity today to preach. And I don't take it for granted because we know of senior pastors whose pulpits can only be used when they are not available or when they travel. That is when you get to preach in their pulpit. So, Papa, thank you once again. I want us to share a word of prayer. Father, we ask you this morning that you will speak to us. We set aside our flesh, our limitations, our mindset, and we come with humility. The Lord, you will speak to your church. A vessel and channels only. So Lord, have your way this morning. We pray that let no one man, let no one woman leave your presence the same. Let no one boy, let no one girl leave us, he or she came. We pray that, Lord, you will speak to our heart. Bring us instruction, bring us a rebuke, bring us correction, and bring us an encouragement. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming to church. Today is the first Sunday of June means that we're approaching mid-year. And so you have to ask yourself, how has it been from January to December, or January to June, as you approach December? How have your goals been? How are your plans? What are some of the news you've heard this year that are shocking? And this morning I had one of them, and I said, wow, life can be that short. But this morning, I'm looking on a, a subject which I think might not sound exciting because anytime we hear the word discipleship, it doesn't look like we're going to do very simple things. It, it's going to be hard. It's tough for me even as a preacher because I think that it demands a lot from us. And so let me go through what we as a church will do quickly. Annual theme is living by the Holy Spirit and this whole quarter, which ends in June, overcoming life challenges through the Holy Spirit. Preacher, my time. Aha, very good. So if you've heard me preach, I have a way of making the sermon a little easy for myself. Maybe not for you. So I work with my four Ps. I think I've seen people start to use them. Please feel free to copy. I think I learned it from somewhere. I don't know the source, but it's been helpful. So I will talk about what the topic is about called that proposition, why a disciple, and how do we become a disciple, and what must come out of a disciple. So I call that my four Ps. Can we say this together as a church? 
the mission of Calvary Baptist Church. Shall we? Yes. No, I, I couldn't hear that one. Grow towards Christian. All right, so that means that the whole discipleship thing we're going to talk about today is part of our mission statement. That's why we exist as a church, to grow towards Christian maturity, to become like Christ. And then we can reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's our vision? I know it gets boring sometimes when I keep doing this. But you see, when the lockdown came, some people said, why should I keep coming to Calvary? These are some of the reasons, among other things, because of why we exist. Because of where we are going as a church. A vibrant congregation impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you understand this, you mean if even this building is closed, our vision cannot be closed. Because we have vibrant congregation. Wherever we are, we carry vibrancy. So we don't go home and slack. Lockdown doesn't come and keep us low. A vibrant congregation. We are church everywhere. We are the scattered church. So this building helped us to gather. But really, it gathered us so that we can scatter. We scatter into our world like a light, like a salt into our world. Because our world and society needs it. You, you must reflect on this. And I try to do that every day. It's important to know why we are here and where we are going. All right. So this is a long story. I, I wrote it. and some of, It's a PowerPoint. Keep it short. Like my wife would say, make a point. I understand. But sometimes I share the slides and I know people read. And this is actually an adapter story. So let's say someone leaves this big city, Accra. Actually, I think the story was written in the U.S. So I, I changed a few of the verbiage to own it or to adapt it. Okay, so I'm not the source of this. I said the source is unknown. So he, he goes out in the bustling city of Accra, and, and then he looks for an opportunity to visit, we'll call them blacksmith or a silversmith, all right? And then, then not only told him, but demonstrated to him the process of refining silver. Several times he wanted to intervene because he saw the silver was literally burning in the fire. So he said, would you do something about it? There several times he wanted to do that, fearing that the precious piece of metal was rather being destroyed at such an unbearable heat. But the master craftsman, the, the silversmith, said, I know just what temperature to keep it. I just know what temperature to keep it. I, I don't know the temperature you feel right now. But sometimes when the prayer seems not answered, when the fasting doesn't make sense, when the waiting of the Lord feels like this thing called Christianity is not working, the silversmith is watching and saying, I know, adjust what temperature to keep it. Are you hearing me? So Bible says that there's no temptation taking you except that which is what? Common to us. But even with that very temptation, God will make a way of escape. So how satisfied with the answer, the, the, the inquirer, the city guy went on and asked, but said, do you sit while the work of refining is ongoing? He said, oh yes, replied the silversmith. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace. You see, for if the time necessary for refining there exceed even in the slightest degree, the silver 
will be injured. I'm sorry I took my marks, but I'm still getting closer. So I'm reminded by myself I need to keep, but I want to be closer. And I'm praying that very soon we'll all get our second shot, like some of my friends did, and they asked them to move their mask. I'm waiting for that day this year. Amen? But before his departure and his visit had not all left him, as he rushed to the rest of the holiday in the village, the Accra man, I call him, started one final question. When do you know the process is complete, sir? When? When do you know? So why? This is quite simple, replied the silversmith. When I can see my own image in the silver. So right now, I took you to the silversmith, like God would tell Jeremiah to go to the potter's house. And just imagine you are watching. You, you are watching someone refine the silver and you ask him, when do you know it's ready? He said, when I can see my own image in the silver. So God has designed this whole enterprise of discipleship for one end, to see his image in us. This is what I want you to reflect on. So everything I'm going to say is based on this. To see his image and I know some of us, we know. It's not because your wife told you. You know that the image in Akakakra. The image of God in you. So today I'm profiling a disciple. And I want you to look yourself in the mirror. It's like mirror on the wall. Today I didn't come to talk about you. I came to talk about Christ. And you are looking at Christ and you are measuring up. So some of us who measure ourselves by our prophet. And measure ourselves by the way we dress. Maybe we look like a dignified no, sometimes I get excited when I see Papa wear blues and I wear blue. I kind of feel like as a son, I'm coming somewhere. Like I'm thinking like him. I'm, be, I'm trying to be like a father. No, no, but that is the goal of every father. To raise children who reflect him. And I think God wants us to look like him. Please, are you getting my point? He says, God has designed this. That to see his image. Today, I want you to think about when you look into the mirror, do you look like God? In all his communicable attributes, like in his holiness, in his justice, in his patience, in his love, do you really look like God? Well, will you think about that for a moment whilst I go through to preach this message very quick? So today's scripture, you know, you are welcome. I make sure that I won't forget. So I, I put this picture there. This was three years ago when I was being, uh, I was... After the ordination, I was being acknowledged. And, and the story is simple. Many of you know me, know that a scripture union you know, who discipled me. And today I get to preach on scripture union you know, day. So I wanted to do a few quick things before I preach. So it was in 1998. I had finished in fancy school, staying at home. And I was a bedding to go out to, to speak. But the story even starts better from 1996. Uh, on 95, when I went to fancy school, and then I joined the scripture union, and this taught me a lot about quiet time, prayer. I had already given my life to Christ, but I really didn't understand that the Bible study had to be every day. I thought it has to be some days, like the way some of us do work out three times a week, five times a week. I was thinking like that, that I would do my Bible reading maybe Monday, Friday, maybe Sunday morning because I would go to church. But as you say, it's daily. It's daily, daily quiet time. And so they would teach us the, 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 the daily power at the time, and later I used the daily guide, and all this thing will help. And I remember some of the voices of the father, like uh, 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 this bishop was my traveling secretary, Obudai, in Central Region for, for several years. And then he would come and says, by the time you use daily power for four years, you would have gone through the whole Bible. I said, wow. 
and you use the daily guide for three years, you go through the whole Bible. So this is where my discipleship started. And then after school, I had the opportunity to work as the Bible Collapse Coordinator. My whole work in 98 to 2000 was to plant small groups in Jesus, Bible Collapse. And God was good. We, we had very good success. Today I hear there are so many, but at least in two years, we planted about 105 Bible Collapse. And to the glory of God, many of them are still alive. I tell you, clap for Jesus. So that's my SU story. SU helped me all through, and I can talk about a story over. And I think all of you have your own SU story. How God helped you, saved you, or God helped to disciple you, their materials. Or you went to SU camp, or you were part of an SU fellowship, SU community. So definitely, SU, you're welcome. This is your home. I cannot look for many, many, identify many scripture union people here. Papa himself have his own story about the scripture union. So I, I know at the right time we'll talk more about it. But today I'm asking the question, who are you? Really, like, who are you? I know when you ask somebody, who are you? It says, I'm a Ghanaian. Oh, me I'm a Santini, me a Kony, me a Eve, me a Nothna, me a Dagumba. It's part of who you are. But today I wanted to think about it. In this season of identity crisis, I don't know whether you heard a story now. The kids are allowed to choose their own sex. I don't know whether you've heard those stories. So there are over 50 forms of identity. No, we need to ask that. It's imperative we know and understand who a disciple is. So discipleship is not a program. It's not an event. You know, it is not a school, a mere kind of an instruction from someone who knows it all. No, it is not. Christian discipleship is a lifelong learning. An apprentice of Jesus Christ for life. You see? Preacher, we need to go a little fast because I'm counting on you, yeah. So I am proposing today on my first P that the time disciple just means a learner, all right? That is a name they gave to the early disciples, and what it means is to be a learner. So being a disciple meant more than that being a convert of a church, that I belong to a Baptist church, or I, I, am, I am a Methodist. No, it's more than that. It's an apprentice if we want to think about it, like someone who goes to, to Taylor Isaac, and thank you very much, Taylor Isaac, what you did this morning, and it allows him to coach, to train, and, and, they, and they help the person to learn. Like how many of us learned driving before driving school became popular? You know, I, I remember the driver's mate and how they used to work faithfully. Sometimes they would ask them to go and pound fufu for his boss. And people thought it was unnecessary, but that was form of, see, those drivers who pounded fufu for their bosses, they know how to be patient on the road. I dare to say that many have big drivers from our driving schools who have not learned the act through discipleship are causing many accidents on our road. Because those days before you get to drive, you would have pounded fufu enough for a long time. And you ask, is fufu pounding part of driving? It was teaching you an act of patience. Oh, in my village, there was no driving school. So the drivers may took years it was not two, three months driving school we have today. I think it's part of our problem. They don't teach patients in driving school these days. But if you had a boss, he would teach you to pound fufu, sometimes go and fetch water for your madam, wash clothes. All that was part of the training and apprenticeship. They carry loads. It was patience. But let me go to my subject. So a disciple attached himself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, and lived with him. Luke chapter 5. Verse 10 to 11. And the Bible says he learned not simply by listening, but by also doing. So Jesus called 12 disciples who were to be with him and be taught by him so they might be able to teach others. This, this was discipleship. He calls you. You stay with him. You are taught. You start to do well with him before he releases you. 
Today, many of us want it very fast, you know. We, we come to church, we receive a message, we don't want to stay. All of a sudden, we feel we are gifted, we're powerful. The church is too small for us. Even we are anointed and our senior pastor. So we must find a space to lead. It's not discipleship. There's no accountability for many, many of our pastors who can sit under authority because we are anointed. So you could be anointed and you are not a disciple. And it's dangerous. You are a disaster waiting to happen. It's just a matter of time. You see? So a disciple, let me profile it quickly. And I picked this from Papa's teaching on Wednesday. Please, if you miss Wednesday's service, you are missing. There's a last Wednesday Papa is teaching on the discipleship. I want you to be part. Because on Wednesday, he takes time to break it down. In this service, Pfizer is watching me with my time. I need to finish in 30 minutes. But Papa can take 40 minutes or take three Wednesdays and rightly divide the word of truth. Please, will you make it tomorrow for next Wednesday service? Will you try? I know you are busy. You work with the president, your national security. You are very, uh, please, I, I'm pleading with you. Wednesday. So I picked this up, Papa. So you were, he said, must be willing to suffer ridicule. Every disciple. Today somebody talks about someone and he says, Somewhere, in Baku, or how do you say it? I'm not coming to the church again. The way the usher spoke to me. Are you a disciple? You must be willing to forsake earthly ties. Luke 14, 26. I'm profiling a disciple for you. The way you are attached to your car, the way you are attached to your house, the way you are attached to your job. Hey. No, last week Papa was talking about hyperbole. The way Jesus will stretch it for you to know that if you cannot hate yourself, you can't be my disciple. But the way you, you love your comfort, the way you love your skin, like the young people say, the way you love your body. Hey. Are you a disciple? Must be willing to lay down his life in following Jesus. That gospel, I think, is missing these days. It's totally gone. Like, you must be willing to lay down your life. <laughs> like, how? People ask, how? To lay down my life. No, but that's the discipleship. If you want to provide it. Means that you, you are not thinking so much to be in touch with you of what you want. But it's about what God wants. You must be willing to forsake things. Bible says, if you do not take up your cross. So think about all this. And I can preach on this one like we can do series every Wednesday. Must be willing to continue in his word. Must bear fruit. That is, is non-negotiable. Bearing fruit in character. Bearing fruit in soul winning. If this too is not working in your life, perhaps you are still a visitor to the kingdom of God. You are not yet a disciple. Maybe you are a churchgoer, but you are not a disciple. Fruit bearing. Fruit bearing. The fruit of the spirit. Patience. Long suffering. Humility. Faithfulness. Must be teachable. Must be teachable. You know why some people struggle to sit under churches like us? Because they said we, love, we are too much word word. We don't, we like to teach. It's, it's too much for, for them. And they think they've heard it, uh, they've heard good teachings. Since Pastor first started doing series in the early 90s, they've heard a lot of the teachings. So sometimes it makes it difficult for people to really follow because they are not teachable. And I think the last, which is not the least, in fact, which is most important, 
must be one whose life is characterized by love. No, I think it was Rick Warren in the Purpose Driven Life book. And it was saying that sometimes God helped us to shape these qualities in us through the very things he brings our way. If God wants to build love in you, he makes sure that the unlovable people around you. If God wants to build your patience, he brings people who try your patience so well. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be that boss in the office. Please don't quit the job because the boss is stressing you. Maybe God is working on your patience. You're a disciple. Can we go on? So how many of us don't want our children to look like us? I've moved to my second P, purpose. Do you really want to raise children without looking, let, let them look like you? Think about that. God wants us to look like him. You, you remember the story I shared when I started? I said, the silversmith said, I know that the silver is done when I can see my image in it. So God has always wanted us to look like him. Look at Genesis uh, 1.26. And so God made us in our, what, his very what, image. This is where the whole story started. Male and female, God made them both. Unfortunately, by Genesis chapter 3, sin had, not, sin had deformed us. We, we no longer look like God. So for everyone who has sinned, Bible says they have come short of who God is, his glory. So this is what I picked up, I think also from Purpose Driven Life book. Rick Warren says, God formed us, sin deformed us. But Christ reforms us, and his Holy Spirit transforms us. Amen. I mean, if, if you forget anything in this sermon today, if you forget a story about the silversmith, please think about this. We started when God formed us, Genesis 1, 26. And then by Genesis chapter 3, we have sinned, and we are falling short of the glory of God. But then Christ shows us, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, God commended his love towards us, so that we could be reformed. But you see, he doesn't stop there. He continues to transform us to look like him. Genesis, uh, Galatians 5.22. And then we talk about the fruit of the spirit. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says that we of us all look into the mirror. All right? And we are being transformed daily as his spirit works on us because the Lord is that spirit. So this is what discipleship is about. It's an everyday transformation as we spend time with him. There is no disciple who is in too hurry to go to work who doesn't spend time with him, with God. So if your schedule is not allowing you to spend time with God, you are not being a disciple. As I said, perhaps you are carrying a title of being a Christian, but you are not yet a disciple. So, so think about that. And Bible says, and to serve him. Has to find a way to serve. And learn from him that we might become like him. This is how God designed it. This is how God designed it. Today, I'm throwing this challenge to you on how we can become a disciple. So that's my third P, on the process. You believe in Jesus Christ? We will give you an invitation today. He becomes your personal Lord and Savior and express your faith by being baptized. But you see, he or she must remain in fellowship. And that is where sometimes the struggle is, to be with him. We struggle to be with God and we struggle to be with people. But that's how God designed it to be. This whole experience of our Christian faith was not meant to be done in isolation. 
You can't do it all by yourself. Every disciple understands you must spend time with God and you must spend time with people. So if you hate people, you know there were people who say, I love the lockdown because now I didn't need to say hello to my neighbors. I didn't have to meet people in church for them to be doing the greetings and be shaking. I love now, I don't have to shake anybody. Please, check your discipleship. If the isolation is so convenient for you, perhaps I am suggesting to you that you lack discipleship. You are born again, we know. You are converted, but you are not being transformed. You can't stand people. You can't stand certain people. Think about it. She is then able to go out and win others and make them disciple. See, if you can't spend time with people, there's no way you're going to help people. There's no way your discipleship is going to be complete. Faisal, how are we doing with time? I've been looking at you, you know, help me. So the process is simple. Conversion is one time. Discipleship is a lifelong. Until we close these eyes, until we say it is finished, we are being transformed daily. Converts are made in a day. Today I make an altar call and you become converted. That is one day. But to be a disciple is daily. Justification is once upon a time. But sanctification is every day. How I wish that after the Holy Spirit encounter, sometimes you have your 30-day fasting, seven days fasting, like three days fasting. You feel so powerful. You feel like you are very close to God. But somehow... On the fourth day, it appears you've come back to the flesh. Then you are being reminded that you need to continually do this. So I talk about a church before COVID. In many respects, we have departed from this pattern of discipleship. So in most churches, the congregation pays a very powerful MOG. I hope you know who is MOG, man of God. All right? And then we preach, we prophesy, and then we shout, Shankom! And sometimes we win the lost. Build them up, save while the church members function as cheerleaders. Or if, if they are enthusiastic. If they are not enthusiastic, they don't cheer the pastor. You can preach and they will look at you as if they are very angry at you. Uh, members of a country club who pay dues and tithe. You know, but the converts are one, baptized and given the right hand of fellowship. When they join other spectators in the church... The issue is that people who complain a lot in church are people who spectate. If you are busy doing something in church, eh, you don't have time to watch others are not doing well. You are more concerned of how best to serve. So in every church I serve, I beg people, you must belong. There are people that don't belong to the men's ministry. They don't go for WMU meetings. They are not in the choir. You can't find them with ushers. Like, literally, they don't do anything in church. Those people where the members are called the country club members of a church. They just pay their dues, which is good. It's good to bring tithe and offerings. Please, it's good. But you can do better. After the tithe and offerings as a country club, you can step forward and say, this time, I want to serve. That's how discipleship works. But, but let's go further. Let's go further as a wrap-up. This is what I pray to see after we are done with COVID. Now, how faster our churches will grow. Anybody who's concerned, oh, we've come here 10 years. We have not finished the building. Our numbers have not increased. The question I ask is, what part are you playing for us to finish this building? I know very soon Papa will talk about the ministry blog. But you see, the pictures are down there. I know some of you saw or you are yet to see. But the question you ask is, hey, obesity No, anybody who thinks like finishing something or, or thinking differently as a disciple want to have a stake in what happens here. Like the president said some time ago, you have to be a citizen and not a spectator. I think there are too many spectators in church. 
and they like to talk about everything but themselves and what they are doing to make the church. Today, I'm calling people who are spectators to shift. Shift to become a partaker. Shift to be a disciple. The only way a local church will be fruitful and multiply is not with additions. It's with systematic discipleship lifestyle. It's not something we do when you are baptized, you are done. It is something we do daily, two small groups. That is why if you don't belong to a small group, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. A small Bible study group. Nana, how is the online going? Are people coming online? The last time I checked, it's like some of us say we must come online, but you are not online. Small group. This is the responsibility of every believer, and this is the clarion call for every one of us in this season and beyond. We realize that the church is not just in this building. The church is moved out of this building. What must be the outcome of this whole talk? Oh, okay. I think I'm okay with time. I'm almost wrapping up. Think about this. In Matthew 19. Can you project Matthew 19, 27? It is okay to ask this question because you will not be the first one to ask. Peter asked the same thing. He said, we have left everything. Matthew 19, 27. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. This is my outcome. What must come as of our discipleship? Maybe I'll, I'll read from you. Okay, it says, Peter answered, we have left everything. I, I know some of us, we can't speak like Peter. You haven't left anything. You still drink. You still chase women sometimes, as and when it's convenient. You still pay bribe. But I heard someone says that corruption is when it's not with you. When it's with you, we said it was God's favor through the man. When it was with other people and you are not benefiting, it's corruption. But when it comes to you, God just opened the door and someone just gave me this money before I signed his papers. Before I signed the papers. God opened the door for a fat check of 10. I was not expecting it all, but he brought it. And he said, I should sign it. And I said, that was good. I've been praying for this 10,000. So it was an opening from God. Please. If that 10,000 influenced you to sign it, it's corruption. You cannot hide it under Christian terminology. Let's stop deceiving ourselves. Hello? I know, so Pastor, if you preach like this, then we will not bring the tithe which we get. We don't want tithe from corruption. And I think senior pastor agrees with me. We want tithe from your real blessing. Hard work you did and to which you're honoring God. It's not about this church. Sometimes people think it's about a church so you can choose to withhold as and when you want to. So we have left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? This is what disciple acts. Disciples have left everything. Some have left career. I'm sorry to say some even have left family. Because sometimes you are in a big family, they don't want you to worship God. Because I said, in our tradition, this is what we do. No. So sometimes some of us, you had to cut links with very important people. Because it was not serving the big interest of following Jesus. And that is why Jesus will push in the hyperbole Papa was teaching last week. That if you don't hate yourself and even hate your mother and father and your brothers, you cannot be my disciple. That hate is a very good, in a contest where you have to choose between what pleases God or what honors them. Many political actors tell us that is a pressure of our family and our friends. They want a job at MP. One MP was telling me, you come to my house in the morning, pastor, you will see people are coming for school fees. People are coming for bread. People are ha having hospital. So sometimes what should we do? And if you don't do anything about this, they said you don't care about them. So we are forced to, you know, take some jobs we are not supposed to do to be able to help. I said, no. 
Sometimes you need to be honest that my salary is this. It can't meet all these needs. Help those who can and let the rest understand you don't have. It is not a sin when you don't have to help. God knows it. And that is what must matter. Am I communicating? Because sometimes we find everything and everything to rationalize everything we do in this country. And then also will come the people who will justify everything people do because they benefit from. But the Bible says that there must be a treasure in heaven. You know, verse 21, the Matthew 19 is an interesting, and I took it to finish. Because this rich young ruler has come to Jesus, and he felt he has done everything a church member does. And Jesus said, it's not enough to be a church member. You must be a disciple. Go sell everything you have and come follow me. I think that is what is difficult today because, see, we have got into a generation, Dickin, we've got into a generation where people are looking for followers, but none is ready to follow Jesus. Oh, talk to the young people. When they put an, a post on Instagram, they, are, they, they check by hours how many people are following and liking it. You see, you see what the world has become? But when God calls us, he calls us to follow him. He didn't call us to let people follow us. So stop doing things to please people so that they will like your post. Some of us don't do it on social media. We do it in real life. We are looking at how many people will like what we do. And in this world, if you want everybody to like what you do, you cannot be a disciple of Christ. You cannot. Some people must hate you because their values are very opposite to yours. That is the cost of a disciple. We need to hit it hobo. On Wednesday, some of you miss. Let me retreat what some things Papa said. He said, when you go for some of the big people meeting, which by God's grace, Papa said on a lot of them, they will ask, so you left your desktop home. Did you come with a laptop? If you don't understand, please ask Papa. Papa used that example. He did not explain. I will leave it here. You left your desktop home. Mama Jay, I'm sorry. They say you are desktop. And so where is your laptop? He says, how can I carry a laptop? I'm content with my desktop. They said, you don't have to be here. It's okay when they say you don't have to be here. It is not everybody who should like. Disciples are not going around looking for followers, looking for likes. So it's okay to put the right message there. And if nobody likes, it's okay. Hello? The important thing is that you will look like Jesus when it comes. Matthew 9, 28. My time is up. Thank you. He said, you will look like Jesus. He says, where, where I sit, you will also sit and you will rule with me. It matters to every disciple. That if you don't get that political seat because you are not corrupt, you didn't get that promotion because you are not ready to do what the boss asks you to do wrongly. It's okay. In this world, you may lose. There's something I want to read before I finish in verse 30. Because Bible says, the things to which we love in this world, to which we exalt, in the end of days, it may mean nothing. Oh, 19. It says, 1929. It says, and you will receive 100 times. I was trying to understand whether 100 times and 100% is the same. But the, the book says no. 100 times over. It's not just 100%. It says 100 times returns. I'll leave that for the accounting for Mr. Fair and the others to explain later to us in teaching. 100 times returns. I will not attempt any accounting subject. I did not qualify for that. But today, I want you to think about something which I think I can submit to you. You will have eternal life. Please, it must matter. I think for a month or a few weeks ago, Reverend Dora was teaching here about your eternal investment. When he asked us to list all our bank accounts, 
Many of us didn't list account in heaven. You think when you pay tithe, it's not part of what goes into heaven? Hello? You think that when you help somebody to pay the school fees, when you come to the community library and say, Mama Joanna, what can we do to help the children? You think it doesn't matter in eternity? The kids might never come back to say thank you. Or when you help scripture in your life, we are talking about today. For them to disciple the thousands, thousands of young people they are doing in all the schools. Because many of them come to faith before they are 18 years. And that's what scripture union work becomes important. It's part of eternal life they are given. So tonight I'm asking you this morning, what is your last heaven bank alert? You know, many of us, when the salary comes, we get a bank alert. But I'm asking you, have you gotten alert from heaven these days? Where you did something you know you are not expecting even for the pastor to acknowledge you, to give you a, an earthly reward. But quietly you did it from your heart. He says, Pastor, God is helping me maybe to do a legacy thing. I, I want to put in my way one of my buildings, but I don't want you to talk about it. I will mention it to my family. I'll make my lawyer to make sure that the church gets it immediately a on. Quietly. You, you are looking at eternal stuff now. And maybe you are asking yourself, what, what can I do? Because those things matter. Because at the end of the day, none of us is carrying our cities and our dollar and our pounds. Hello? We all know this, but sometimes it's difficult to leave it. We know if you have three houses, you can't even take one. Not, not even your mattress you sleep on. You can't take it. You, you can design a big coffin for them to place it in. But I can guarantee two, three years, there will be party for them for year. They, they will do things. So can we think about what are we putting away? So, so as, as, as a last slide, as I finish, we'll close our eyes. Are you a disciple or you are just a convert? Are you a disciple or you are just a church member? Today I want you to ask tough questions and I'm asking the same. Because you see, the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children is really a measure of our discipleship. You can still belong to a church and beat your wife. You can even be an elder, a deacon. I've heard the stories pastors and do the wrong things but you see don't, don't be surprised that some pastors thought we have reached the level of discipleship we don't learn anymore we don't submit anymore we don't even wait to hear from God because we have read through the Bible a couple of times if you give us any sermon any day we can preach please pastor let's not deceive ourselves we are not following in fact my call today is a call to people who want to follow Jesus you want to follow in a way that it makes demand on yourself it makes demand on your pocket. It makes demand on your heart. It makes a demand on your soul. Discipleship. So how different are you going to live beyond COVID-19? At least COVID has told some of us that it's possible not to, it's possible to come to church without makeup. And it's okay. After all, all the makeup can be covered by the mask. It's okay. It's okay. How we used to worry about, well, how are we looking? Thank God for the mask. It's covered a lot. You don't have to look much. Hello? Few lessons from COVID. Will you make other disciples? Please bow your heads with me as I pray to close. I didn't hear an amen in this sermon. So it means it's a very hard sermon, I know. If a pastor preached for 30, 35, and he doesn't hear an amen, uh, means that it was a hard sermon. And it's okay. I don't need to get likes from my sermon. I don't. Because perhaps it helps you to think. It helps you to reflect. That perhaps I'm in church, but I'm not a disciple. Maybe I'm a pastor, but I'm not a disciple. I'm a deacon, I'm not a disciple. I'm a leader of a group, auxiliary, but I'm not a disciple. Because discipleship makes demands on us. It makes demand on us. I don't know what demand is making on you right now. 
can we talk to God right now? Let's search our heart. The way we are serving. The way we pay our tithes. The way we love others. Is that really what Christ wants us to do? You think about a difficult boss and the way you are relating to him. Or, or think of a difficult spouse. No, some spouses can be difficult. Husbands, wives, we can be difficult. Are we being disciples in our home? Because it's very easy to dress up nicely like have a done and come and preach when the home is not working. And I'm just begging of you to think about it. If you can just go to the Lord in prayer today. I don't know where you are. And just in humility, Lord, search my heart. Search my mind. Lord, I want to return to who truly a disciple is. I've heard it. But Lord, it's difficult for me to follow. Because I've really said in my house, not going to forgive this person. I really was going to deal with this person. But today I hear that I must die to self. I must carry my cross. I must follow. Lord, and I want to follow. Shall we talk to God right now? Father, have mercy. Marriage. You can't quit on the work because there are difficulties. Some says, I can't marry. You will marry because marriage is one of the best places for discipleship. People will get on your nerves. Your spouse will get in your space. He will demand what you don't have and you need to only trust God. If you ask me, what is one main reason everybody must marry so that we can look like Christ? I'm telling you, many single people don't know what it means to be patient with people. Yeah. If you ask me, yeah, there are many benefits of marriage, but I think the greatest I have discovered is to becoming like Christ in my marriage. It's difficult. Hey, I'm not here bragging. It's difficult. It can be so hard. There are many times I've thought I want to quit. Oh yeah. Maybe you haven't gotten there. Your marriage is good. Then look at your work. Maybe where you work is a demand on you. Today I just wanted to talk with God. You do everything right for that child. But it's still not grateful. And you feel like giving up on that child. is discipleship. It's testing your love. It's testing your patience. It's testing your long suffering. Don't give up on that child. It's not about him. It's about what Christ is building inside you. It takes the spirit of God. Oh, I said amen. amen. Thank you so much once again. Let's celebrate Jesus. Indeed, O oh Lord our God, we thank you for the joy of being in your presence. We feel empowered because your spirit is here with us. We'll be refreshed by your word, by our giving to you and you receiving and blessing us. We leave this place as a scattered church, a church empowered and filled by you to play our part wherever mankind is found. And therefore, help us in the home, in the market. Whatever we say and do, our thoughts will be guided by you to bring glory to you. We pray for our leaders in this new month, in this new week, and these new coming days. May they also be tuned to you. 
that the world will know that you are the king who is worth loving, serving, and waiting for. And therefore, beloved, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide in your hearts now and forevermore. Amen. Then to your brother, you may not be able to shake hands with them, but surely you can tell them goodness and mercy would follow you all the days of your life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Stay blessed, serve the Lord, and stay strong in him. Amen.